Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Audio Judo, a very special episode of Audio Judo, our second ever Christmas episode. I'm Kyle. And I am Matthew. Welcome to Audio Judo, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Uh, we arranged to release this episode on Christmas Day 2020, so if you're listening on the release day, I hope you are having a Merry Christmas, enjoying your family as much as possible under the current conditions of this ridiculous year. Uh, also, Hanukkah ended on December 18th, so I hope our Jewish friends enjoyed the Festival of Lights this season as well. If you are listening some other day, our hope is that your holiday season was everything you wanted it to be, and it is our sincere wish that 2021 holds better things than this past year did. Oh, that would be nice. Uh, so as Kyle mentioned, I'd like to welcome everyone to our second holiday, second annual holiday episode. Second uh, annual. Annual. Uh, last year, we were joined by a special guest, our resident holiday expert and my wife, Heather. That episode was so successful that we decided to invite her back. So welcome back, Heather. Thank you very much. We're glad you could make it back all the way from the living room. All the way from in there. I know. It was far. How is your uh, <laughs> Christmas decorating going so far? I'm behind where I want to be, as I am every year, but mm -hmm. I'm about five trees in. Mm. Now, so. And you're doing how many this year? 13. Ooh. Not even halfway yet. Right. But it's not quite Thanksgiving when we're recording. Correct. So I think you got a while. I, I, I'm going to knock a few out this, this weekend. So. Nice. Really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was about to say, when you say, I'm going to knock out a few, do you mean Matthew's going to be doing a few as he well? He might put a couple up, yeah. ah, okay. but he's not allowed to decorate. I'm not allowed to oh. decorate. They'd all have like decorations on one side. Verboten. Just one side of decorations in the back would be bear <laughs> but you know so what you got to get a corner tree for that then you've only got to decorate a corner yeah, exactly right? it's one of them balsams top tip just letting everybody know you just put it in a corner yeah uh last year uh, we spent a good deal of time talking about the history of holiday music with a strong focus on christmas music uh we talked about where it came from what its roots were and how it developed into a more commercial enterprise like most things christmas and what its place is in the current musical spectrum. Then we each talked about our five favorite holiday songs. Um, this year, we decided to each pick our favorite holiday album and talk about that to fall a little more in line with what Audio Judo typically does. Yeah. So the original, air quotes, original Christmas album was actually just titled Merry Christmas by Bing Crosby, released in 1945. This <laughs> album was the number one Christmas album for six years and actually topped the pop charts for 39 weeks. Whoa. It has sold over 15 million copies, second only to Elvis Presley's Blue Christmas. It includes Melikalikimaka, Jingle Bells, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, and the number one Christmas song of all time, White Christmas, which as a single has sold over 50 million copies. In fact, this record... Other than the original cast recording of Oklahoma, which was released in 1943, is the longest continuous in-print record in the music industry. Wow. Uh, it also still charts. In 2018, <laughs> this record charted at number 45 on the Billboard 200, speaking to the enduring popularity of holiday music. And because of that, pretty much every artist has released some form of a holiday record. Hmm. It just makes sense because they sell. There are bands, artists that base their whole careers on their backs of the holiday season. Bands like Mannheim Steamroller, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, Michael Bublé to some degree, even the newest to the fold, Pentatonix, 
seemed to center their work on the season and to great benefit as they sell out, or did sell out, thanks COVID, their concert tours and sell record after record. So our plan, we each chose one record, and we're going to talk about why it's our favorite. And unlike a lot of what Audio Judo does, the merits of why it is our favorite will most likely not be musicianship or the lyrics or anything like that, but probably the memories that it conjures, um, the feelings the song evoke, and the joy that it brings. So let's get started. Cards? Oh, goody. I get to start this one off, don't I? You got any background before you jump into yours? Uh, I, I got so much background about my record. Do you? So, uh, yeah, not necessarily personal background. Uh, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't really know why I like this record. It's been in my Christmas rotation for, for many, many years. It's the Ventures Christmas album uh, from uh, 1965. It's a very um, surf music Christmas album, I guess is a good way to put it. That's uh, uh, a good way to put it. And I don't really, it's, it's, like I said, I found it first when I was probably 15 or 16 in a record store. Well, actually probably in a secondhand store, but it was on a record. And it, um, it's just kind of been there since then. I've, always, I've had a copy of it since then, and it's always at least one or two tracks on here come up every Christmas season if I've got to make a playlist or whatever. Mm -hmm. If you're not familiar with who the Ventures are, um, they're an American instrumental rock band uh, that was formed in 1958 in Tacoma, Washington by Don Wilson and Bob Bogle. Weirdly, they are one of those bands that so few people, like if you're like, oh, the Ventures, people are like, yeah, I don't know who that is. But they are incredibly influential. Um, they helped popularize the electric guitar sound uh, in the United States and in Europe and Japan, too. Mm -hmm. uh, they're still incredibly popular in Japan. Yeah. Their popularity here sort of waned in the 70s. But uh, like I did say, they're instrumental. And I think that's one of the reasons why they were their popularity sort of spread around the world because there were no lyrics to understand. They are the best-selling instrumental band of all time. Exactly. With wow. over 110 million records sold. Yeah. Uh, Walk, Don't Run, their very first single ever, is frequently cited by many famous guitar players as one of their most influential songs. They also did uh, the song that you'll probably recognize the most, uh, the Hawaii Five-O theme song was recorded by them. It was composed by a man named Morton Stevens, uh, but the Ventures version of it became the one that was made popular by the TV show, and it actually charted at number four on the Billboard Top 100 uh, charts. Mm -hmm. They have uh, 38 albums that have charted in the U.S. And they've released over 250. 250. <laughs> yeah. Which is just just crazy. They That's are, a crazy number. It is nuts. They are number six best overall chart performer of the 1960s. And you got to remember, Beatles. 1960s, Beatles, Elvis, Rolling Stones. The Doors. The Doors. There were so many huge acts there, and they were number six. That is, uh, that's uh, a little insane. In 1963, they had five LPs on the Billboard Top 100. <laughs> they have total 14 singles that have hit the Billboard Top 100. Uh, like Matthew said, over 100 million records sold, uh, which makes them the best-selling instrumental rock band of all time. Their recording of Walk, Don't Run uh, was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame for its lasting impact on music. And in 2008, uh, the whole group was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Pretty, pretty, pretty good pedigree here. Yeah, it's good. It's a good pedigree. I didn't know they also recorded the famous version of Wipeout. Yes. They, well, they re-recorded it. Was it a re-recording? Yes. So right. they did not create that. They re-recorded it, and their version became... Very, very popular just because of the name brand. So there are two things that we do need to bring up about uh, uh, sort of surf bands from this era. So number one, most of them had rotating rosters. 
one or two core musicians would hang out for a long time. And a lot of the other musicians would swap out from time to time. Uh, so on this particular album, it was uh, Don Wilson on rhythm guitar, Bob Bogle on bass, uh, Noki Edwards on lead guitar, and Mel Taylor on drums. The other thing we need to talk about is that during this time, all of the surf rock bands were covering each other constantly. Mm. So one would come out with Wipeout, and then 20 other bands would cover it with slightly different versions, and then one of those would chart. And then some band would come out with uh, uh, Ghost Riders on the Storm. Mm. And that one would chart, then 20 other people would cover it. it. It's a very weird, it's very difficult to figure out who created the songs originally. Because if you go look and you're like, oh, this is the version I'm most familiar with. You go look at it and it's like written by so-and-so and so-and-so. And you're like, oh, and then you look them up and it's like, oh, they were in this other band. And then it's like, oh, they wrote it, but they didn't originally record it. They sold it to some other band. And then you go look that band up and it's like, oh, that's the original recording of it. But it was written by these guys from this band and then made famous by these other guys from this other band. So this is more of a surf music phenomenon. Yes. I mean, I'm sure it happens in other genres, but it's very, very popular in surf music for a song to become popular and then every other surf band covers it. And -hmm. a lot of times they would use it to fill in like, you know, obviously at the time they were selling a lot of single records. They would use it on the B side of a record. The 45. The 45. There you go. Uh, They would use it on the B side of a single record. In order to up their sales. So if you knew Wipeout was a really popular song and you weren't sure about your new track, how good it was going to be, you'd throw Wipeout on the back of it. But anyways, I I digress. Surf music for Christmas. A little bit of a weird fit. No, that's uh, okay. I like it. I like it a lot because it's it's cold. It's dark. snowy. You want to think about summer. To me. You want to think about the beach. Yeah. So this album peaked at number nine when it was originally released on the top 100 charts. It's very short. It's only not even 27 minutes long. And it's they're all secular Christmas songs on here. So there's nothing uh, nothing religious directly really? on this album. Yeah. Cover is super simple. It's a Christmas wreath with some guitars sticking through it. It's a photograph by uh, Ken Kim, who uh, did the photography and the art direction for the album. Yeah, real simple, very 60s album cover look to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to start it out with, these are all super common popular winter and Christmas songs uh, opens with sleigh ride, but it's a little bit different. It starts out as the ventures famous walk, don't run and then morphs into sleigh ride. And it sounds a little bit like this. Snowflakes is the next track. That was it? Yeah, it's it. Well, that's not the whole song, obviously. That's just a little clip of it. But, uh, I mean, I could play it, but this is a really... I figured, you know, Slay Ride is such a, a well-known song. Didn't think everybody needed to hear it over and over and over again. No, Plus, that's true. Plus, this uh, so encourage people to go listen to the track. So, if you just liked that, go listen to the track. Uh, Snowflakes is the next track on here. It's actually uh, Greensleeves, famous ancient tune, I guess you would call it, that was used for... Uh, what Child Is This? I believe we talked about that last year, didn't yeah, we? I think we did. Uh, William Chatterton Dix, 1865. Very uh, <laughs> Chatterton. <laughs> <laughs> but this uh, this particular arrangement of it is uh, is credited to Bogle, Edwards, Taylor, and Wilson. It's a, it's, it's a very nice cover of the song. Um, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Actually incorporates parts of uh, the song Wooly Bully by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. <laughs> um, oh, Sam, Sam, Sam the Sham. Sam the Sham. 
Uh, Jingle Bells incorporates uh, pieces of uh, Point Panic by the Surfaris, who are the band who originally recorded Wipeout. That's what we were talking about a little bit earlier. Uh, Jingle Bell Rock uh, incorporates parts of uh, Memphis by Johnny Rivers. I really like this version of Jingle Bell Rock, especially this part where it's the uh, incorporation of Memphis. Very uh, bluesy at the beginning. Yes, very, very heavy, upbeat. Heavy blues at the beginning. Yeah. And then it, uh, you know, speeds up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, Silver Bells, Orville Red Roads, uh, playing steel guitar on this one, uh, into a talk box, which as far as people can tell, this is only the second time that's ever been recorded on an album. Yeah, they popularized the fuzz guitar sound. They did, yeah. At the very beginning of, what, the early 60s? Yeah, uh, Red actually invented the standalone fuzz unit in 1962. And they used it, the Ventures used it before on an album called the uh, In Space. It was released in uh, 1963. And it sounds, by today's standards, it's a, a little uh, weak, but this is what it sounded like originally. You know what that sounds like? Frampton Comes Alive? No. Because <laughs> I was say, it's not quite Frampton Comes Alive, but what do you think it sounds like? It sounds like it sounds like that part in Back to the Future when Marty's was like fading away and mm-hmm. he's still trying to strum the guitar <laughs> on stage and it's like... It's definitely... Uh, this song definitely is not the strongest song on this album. And then he holds his hand up in front of his face and he's it's becoming like... becoming all transparent. Yeah, exactly. That's what that feels like, too. That's, a, and then, <laughs> that's uh, the visual that I get. And then uh, we're going to imply that a white guy invented rock and roll, so we're going to take that away from him, too. Marvin Barry. Marvin Barry. <laughs> it's your cousin, Marvin. <laughs> Marvin Barry. Genius. Genius. Uh, Frosty the Snowman. Up ne- I'm sorry. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is up next, which opens with uh, the Beatles' I Feel Fine. Is that we- what that was? Yeah. Weird combination, but it works. Uh, Frosty the Snowman opens with the chance tequila. How old was I Feel Fine by Not then? Not very old. A couple of years, maybe. This is 65, right? Yeah. Wow. And they actually, what's, again, this is another one of those weird things where the Beatles were influencing every single band out there at the time. And the Beatles were also also listening to so many different bands. There's a part where I believe it's George Harrison says... I should have written down the quote now, but uh, he says something very nice about the Ventures guitar player. He says that it was the sound was revolutionary and it sounds better than anything that's coming out of Great Britain right now. Something like that. I'm pretty sure uh, you say that at least once an episode. What? I should have written that down. Yes. (laughs) It's because I do so much research and if I write it all down, (laughs) I end up with like 10 pages and I'm like, okay, this is a 
I'm going to be here for 12 hours. And then I go through and I, I'm not going to use this quote. And then I throw it out. And then something comes up and it's a perfect setup. And I'm like, yeah, I feel fine. It's was okay. released on November 23rd, 1964. So a year, so a year. So they, they listened to it, borrowed it, stuck it on their record. Yeah. Like I said, Frosty the Snowman uh, starts out with the champs tequila. Tequila! <laughs> Made famous, of course, by uh, Pee Wee Herman. Mm-hmm. The next song is called Scrooge. It's a very weird... That was very strange. It sounds almost like a Halloween song to me. It sounds like it would fit really well in A Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, I think... Nobody what... picked that one. A Nightmare Before Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, yeah somebody yeah. should have. That's it's next year. Really? Is it a Halloween I mean, album? It's kind of a crossover, so you can't really lump it into just Christmas. Yeah. But that's, it is a holiday record. That just true. depends on your right. holiday of choice. Uh, coming up next fall, best records of fall. Uh, so we can <laughs> best all pick, Halloween we can, records. We can all pick this this record and find a place for it to fit. I believe. Just jam it in. Yeah, just Don't jam it in. Like uh, uh, this is Halloween. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah, yeah. That is this is that has this is Halloween on it. That's it. As far as I can tell, Scrooge is an original composition by the Ventures. Um, it's credited to them. It's kind of a weird fit on this album. Uh, next up, cover of Blue Christmas, uh, which incorporates parts of the Searchers uh, when you walk into the room. Because doesn't everybody do a version of Blue Christmas? Of course. Yes. Did you know that uh, it's not an original Elvis composition, though? I didn't. Didn't we talk about this? We may have. Uh, Billy Hayes and J.W. Johnson, originally performed by Doy Odell in 1948. So mm-hmm. quite a ways before this. Doy. I'm pretty... Doy. 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 I'm pretty sure Elvis... I'm going to offend somebody out there. I'm pretty sure Elvis didn't do anything originally. Oh. Uh, peanut butter and banana sandwiches. That I think is true. are an Elvis invention. That Not may have positive. Been. Other than that, he shook his hips. That's true. But... I don't know that he, I know he didn't compose anything yeah. at all. So, whatever, go on. Uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Classic. This is probably, if you've ever heard a track off this album, this is probably the one. Uh, it opens with these really quiet bells playing a really classic version of the song, and then it swings into some guitar. No clip? No clip for this one, sorry. Oh, boy. I want people to go listen to it, and I can only pick three clips. Oh, so uh, I did hamstring you there, I'm sorry. This is probably the most traditional cover on this entire album. It sounds very much like other versions of this, but with a little bit of swing guitar and swing guitar in the background. What are we talking about? We wish you a Merry Christmas. Okay. Uh, finally, last one on here, White Christmas. It's a surf-styled cover of the Irving Berlin classic. So they did a blue Christmas and a white Christmas. Yes. All the Christmases. As most do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know. You need both, both colors. I don't know if you are familiar with the surf band Santo and Johnny. No. Uh, Sleepwalk is their most famous song. Ah, I kind of recognize that from your <laughs> want, want, want. We can play it later and you'll immediately recognize it. All right. Um, but uh, the, I spent a lot of time researching this song because their version of White Christmas definitely took influences from Santo and Johnny. I'm almost positive it pulled directly from one of their songs. I know that I've heard it before. I can't figure out what song it is. And it was driving me insane for like three days. Cause I was, I just kept like, okay, let's listen to other, let's listen to like 10 albums today to try to figure out which song it is. And I'd get like halfway through songs. Like, it's not this one next. It's not this one next. It's not this one next. Did you listen to next. all of Santo and Johnny's catalog? Not to figure it all out? of it, but as much as I could find oh. a lot of stuff on YouTube. And there's a couple of people on YouTube that are like, 
this isn't sleepwalk, but what is it? I got to write this couldn't, down. Couldn't I don't know that I've out. ever heard of Santo and Johnny. So uh, if you are out there and you listen to this version of the song and you listen to uh, and you're familiar with Santo and Johnny, I'm sure a large part of our, our listener base is. Uh, if you are, Could however. Could be all of our Indian listeners. Possibly. Hello to you. Yes. Welcome. If you are familiar with it, though, and you know what song influenced this version of White Christmas, drop me a line, info at audiojudo.com or kyle at audiojudo.com. Mm, nice. I want to know. And that's it. So what after doing a wait, so after doing a Beach Boys episode earlier in the year, yes. Kyle, I'm getting this sneaking suspicion that you like surf style music. I do. And I believe I, I came out of the surf music closet during that Beach Boys episode, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. I, that, I do. Which, which surprises me about it. it just well, it's, it's just it's one of those things. So I have it, you ever surfed? I have not ever surfed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way too top heavy to surf. I do would you, be play, like, you play surf shark. guitar? Or I do just, not play surf guitar. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I uh, hmm. I did try uh, skimboarding once, uh, and uh, failed painful. miserably. Got all sand rash chafed. all over, chafed on all the exposed skin. <laughs> so I don't uh, know. <laughs> and then the uh, the second time I was going to go uh, skimboarding, it's a horrible story. But I'm going to tell it anyways because I feel like it needs to be out there now. Uh, I'm just going to distract us from Christmas here. I was headed down to the Virgin River, which Matthew's very familiar with. Uh, I in am Saint familiar. Yes, yeah. And uh, a lot of people used to go skimboarding down there. And as we were headed down there, there was an ambulance by the side of the river. Was it and there for me? It was there to get Matthew out of the quicksand. <laughs> no, uh, it turned out what had happened is uh, there was a kid that... Uh, I did not know him personally, but he was my sister's age, and she knew him, knew of him anyways. He had been skimboarding, and he, I don't know if you've ever been skimboarding, but you throw the skimboard on like wet sand, and then jump on it and try to ride it. He was doing that. He fell off and uh, landed in such a way that he, part of his male anatomy, found a piece of rebar that had oh. been hidden in the sand. Merry Christmas, and, everybody. Uh, he, uh, he earned the nickname Uniball after that. <laughs> So, uh, uh, uh Uniball, Uniball, Virgin River. Yeah. It's woof. So, uh, uh, I decided not to ever skimboard again after that, and, uh, I haven't to this day. But made up for it by listening to a bunch of surf-style music. Yes, it did. More research about them I, as I dug into the ventures. Yeah. I think you had brought this up, but they are not only just kind of successful in Japan, they are the most successful American rock and roll band from the United States. That is correct. In yes. Japan. They actually outsell the Beatles two to one. Two to one. In Japan. So I guess I didn't realize that the Japanese people had such an affinity for surf music. I think it's got a lot to do with, you know, they, they do love Hawaii. They love mm. the Pacific Islands. True. They love that sort of... Uh, it's such a tiki vibe, niche, sort of. though. It's like yeah. just... Very, it is, uh, but uh, interesting. I think it's sort of in the same way that we think of like popular American vacation places. Like you know, a lot of people go to like Southern California, mm -hmm. so there's that sort of Southern California, you know, rock kind of kickback at the beach sound, mm, uh, laid back. Yeah, I think that Japanese people think of a lot of surf music and Hawaiian styled music the same way because so many of them take vacations to Hawaii. They think all Americans are on the beach. Uh, I think all time. Hawaiians are on the beach all the time, I'm sure. Also, so besides the fuzz guitar sound, mm -hmm. uh, they were also one of the earliest proponents of the concept record, basically yes. recording around a particular theme, which is unique in its own right, when you take into consideration that it had to, out of necessity, 
be an instrumental theme, mm-hmm. not a lyrical theme, which is not easy to do. But that is, uh, I like that. I listened to it on a run. It was yeah. it was very good, very surfy. Yeah, it's but um, interesting. It's a fun. Like I said, it's it's I rarely listen to it as a whole album. If I'm honest, a lot of these tracks come out of here when I need to make a Christmas playlist, where I need something to like. You know, okay, here's like the three standards that everybody plays, and I need yeah. some other stuff to go in here, and I'll pick a couple songs out of this and throw them in there, because they're unique enough that a lot of people have never heard them. Mm. They're good enough that a lot of people aren't going to be like, what is this crap? And they're upbeat enough that it's, you know, not a sad Christmas song, which is just depressing for everybody. So I have a question. Yes. Since it's an instrumental, do you find that when you listen to it, you actually sing the lyrics to what the actual song is? Like, I do that. That's a good question. It depends on how many beers I've had. (laughs) Let's consider maybe you've had three... Maple Mackinac Fudge beers. Uh, three of those? Yes, I would definitely be singing the lyrics. <laughs> Laying on the ground, slurring my speech. Sleigh bells ring. But I like that. That's a that's a unique choice. I I I dig it. I dig hey, it. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad that you guys weren't like Kyle's choice sucks. Pass it on. But we'll say that after you leave. <laughs> I figured as much. Heather, what do you got for us? All right. So there are so many. And it's just just like last year. You asked me to put it in a little box and give you just a certain amount. And that's just box it very, up me. very mean because <laughs> I'm an asshole. What could I say? It's an entire season. It's months and months of listening to different music. But I had to go with Michael Bublé's Christmas album, which is Bublé. Bublé. Um, and and honestly, it's because he 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 was able to combine all of those that I love all in one. And, you know, with the modern day crooner uh, vibe, it it's just it's an incredible album. So uh, a little bit of history on the album itself. So it's his seventh studio album. It's his first full length holiday album. He actually did have an album prior to this, but it was only, it only had five songs on it. And he actually incorporated those songs into the full length album. It was released in the U S in October of 2011. And by December, it rose to number one on the billboard 200 album sales chart. And it held that spot for the next four weeks. So not quite as impressive as the Bing Crosby one, but still, you know, respectable. It is his most successful album. Of all of his albums, you wow! Got, you got a number yeah. on that? Um, it well, I I have a little bit. I, as of twenty twenty, it has sold four point three eight million in the U.S. alone. U.S. alone, wow! Yeah, twelve million worldwide. Whoa! Yeah. Pretty incredible. It also won a Juno Award in 2012 for Album of the Year, being the first holiday album to ever earn this award. Which is a reminder I for the people out there. The Junos are the basically the Canadian Grammys. Mm. So, thank you very much. Um, and uh, he promoted this album in that same year, in, in December of 2011, on at the NBC television special, A Michael Bublé Christmas, which I watched when it when it came out. It was it was great. Um, and he's continued to wear the crown of Mister Christmas through the last nine years. I would say that's fairly accurate. Yeah. Even though he only has the one. Full length Christmas album. Yeah. Yeah, It's pretty incredible. 
He has said in interviews that all of the songs that appear on this album are his sentimental favorites. Hmm, and there's only nice. one originally written uh, song on, on the album. Which, ironically, is my least favorite on that record. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Hmm. So I personally love this album because... He takes what are a lot of my own favorites and he weaves them into a tapestry of lively holiday cheer mixed with nostalgia, topped with Buble's sweet dulcet tones. Mm. It moves from dance floor excitement to childhood memories to New Orleans balconies watching the passing parade to sipping hot chocolate watching the snowflakes dance on the icy breeze. So it's warm and fun from the first song to the last. So. I like um, that. Now we'll go into the songs. It starts out with a dreamy entryway, very mystical. It leads into the imagery in my head of a snow-dusted street and kicking off with it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It brings all of those emotions and the excitement of the coming season to life. And he makes me want to start putting up my Christmas trees because... <laughs> It takes a while to get I mean, them that all makes up. Sense. Yeah. It does take it does take, a, <laughs> takes a bit. And here's a little taste of that song. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Toys in every store. But the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be. On your own front door Sure it's Christmas Once a more He finishes off the song with an addition of the Italian word for love which is an homage to his roots and a fitting expression for the season. It's a great song. So if you gave him a crappier mic, it would be hard to distinguish that song from something that was recorded in 2011 to something that was recorded in 1945. Agreed. Because his voice in that particular song is so rich and velvety that he fits right in with like the Crosbys, the Comos, the Andy Williams and that the only, like if you just gave him a shittier mic and clipped it a couple of times, it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to tell, but because that mic is so good, it's like, Oh, well, that's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> it's absolutely perfect. But I, I absolutely love that version of that song. I agree. Um, it goes on to Santa Claus is coming to town um, in, which is the second song on the album. And then um, he goes into the third track, which is Jingle Bells with the Papini Sisters. Michael's favorite version, a little a little trivia here, Michael's favorite version of this song is actually Bing Crosby's version. So bringing it back to the beginning there. It is pretty good. Yeah. This song is actually modeled after the 1943 recording of Bing Crosby and the Andrew Sisters. It's very quick tempoed. It's, it has that 30, 40s flair, flapper, jazzy, dance hall, glitz and dazzle. And it has the big band in the background. It sounds a little bit like this. Dashing through the snow. We are dashing. In one horse open sleigh. One horse sleigh. All the fields we go. Bells on. 
tailoring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to ride and sing a silent song tonight. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride one horse open all the way. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in one horse open sleigh. This is my favorite song on the record by far. Definite throwback to to back then. So as you mentioned, these are the Papini sisters. Unlike the Andrews sisters, uh, they aren't actual sisters, but oh, more of a performance group. There's only one Papini, and then they uh, she kind of hires people to fill that out. Uh, but they're fantastic. And I know we have talked about this very much uh, you and your wife have talked about the Papini before. No. Very much remind me of the Maharel sisters from the Finger Lakes. From the Finger Lakes. And all I end up picturing is Kristen Wiig <laughs> as Doonies. With her tiny baby hands <laughs> popping the bubbles in the air. All the way from the, the Finger Welch Lakes. <laughs> that's all. That's How all. can you not? How can you? It brings me joy. Every time I that's listen to I it, picture. because that's what I'm seeing in my head. <laughs> I can't see anything but that. A one and two and a... Here we go. Here we go. The Maharel sisters from the Finger Lakes. <laughs> <laughs> what do we have to do to get Fred Armisen to star in a like a biopic about... Uh, Lawrence Welk? Lawrence Welk. That would be great. Probably nothing. I could do it tomorrow. Do it. Yeah. All right. Um, then he goes into White Christmas as as is necessary and as obligatory. Legally, legally right? have yeah. to on every Christmas. I album. believe it's obligated. Yes, yeah. yes, obligatory. Yes, yes. And uh, with Shania Twain. Oh, so, um, mm, then fellow he goes, Canadian. Yes, indeed. Uh, then he goes into uh, the much loved "All I Want for Christmas Is You." Who? Maybe. But <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! That just t- took a turn. <laughs> Um, a Holly Jolly Christmas. I thought maybe it was my two front teeth. All I want for Christmas is no, my two front teeth. You. Oh, it's me. Yeah, you. Yay. Uh, a Holly Jolly Christmas followed by Santa Baby. So I have to pause here. Uh-oh. And, and you know, so this is the single song on the album that that I, I just, it, it makes me pause mm-hmm. because if you remember last year, Santa Baby was on my naughty list. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's just, it's it's everybody's intention or the, they feel like they have to sing it in a whiny, trying to be sexy voice. And it's just, it's terrible. It We're just looking at you, at my skin. Eartha Kitt and yes. Madonna. Oh, terrible. <laughs> Cindy Lauper, all of them. Just so, um, so, but his version, he has this tongue in cheek kind of smarminess that he creates in in hmm. this version and it's and it makes it tolerable like almost verging on enjoyable yeah Ooh. yeah wait, listening to it again today yeah it's it does have the uh the smarminess like he's almost trying too hard to make that to shoehorn that into like the 40s 50s sound mm-hmm. but the, the fact that he uh altered the lyrics to make it a little bit more palatable mm-hmm. and not so slutty <laughs> right that that you're like, hmm, all right, yeah, that's not as horrible. And it's not, you're right, it's not the Santa come hither voice. 
Right. Like it's Santa's m- got a wife. Right. It's more like right? this is his friend. It's his more like pal, Santa give buddy. me shit voice. Like, hey, bro. You <laughs> hey, got, what's in the you bag? Got lots of stuff. Yeah, give Bring me some stuff. On. Yeah. It's it's a much it's a much more <laughs> tolerable version of it. I like that. Yeah. Um, then have yourself a merry little Christmas. And then Christmas, baby, please come home. Silent Night, which has, again, goes into the obligatory children's choir. You Um, must do a children's choir. You must have it. Um, And it's okay. You know, I I love Silent Night. It's What did you uh, compare that to? Carmely. Well, it's it's like the in the Peanuts Christmas. Yeah, the Peanuts. You know, we've got that background, the the children's choir. Sounds like 40 kids yelling, not singing. Right, right. But he he softens it with his his nice caramely voice. He does. So, um, and then Blue Christmas, which is the last clip that I have. Um, this song from Michael's favorite version of this song is by Dean Martin, um, because he liked how laid back Dean was on it. It's because he was always drunk. Yeah, <sighs> which is interesting because of the direction Michael went. Uh, so yeah. Dean was laid back. Michael Michael went with a more of a swing undertone, and he spiced it up with kind of a New Orleans Zydeco feel, and you can hear that here in the clip. I'll have a blue Christmas without you. I'll be so blue Just thinking About you Decorations of red On a green Christmas tree Won't be the same, dear if you're not here with me. So that takes me back to the years we spent going back and forth on visits and dropping Christian off uh, in the bayou when he was studying at Tulane. Oh, man, it's that's so nice to hear that. That sound <laughs> is so like etched into my brain, that New Orleans sound, that big band swing Dixie sound. It's like, whoa. So cool. And it's such a great interpretation of that song. Say the big swinging Dixie sound. Dixie sound. (laughs) This is not generally one of my favorite Christmas songs. The Elvis just ruined it for me. It was overplayed. It's everywhere. And I get sick of hearing it. It's in Year Without a Santa Claus. Well, I was going to say my favorite version of this is actually in Year Without a Santa Claus. But I think that's more for nostalgia reasons than for... Musical reasons, but musically, this version is is the top version of that song. He's got the perfect Christmas voice. He just does. It just caramely. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have problems. Are you? Uh, no, you're really I, after Buble, aren't you? I, can... I think we're good. <laughs> All right. Um, and then he goes into "Cold December Night," which is his co-written uh, track. Uh, again. Probably the least favorite on the album, but but I think it's just because there's no memories that are attached to yeah. it. Yeah, you know, all of the other ones have those memories of childhood and the movies and the and just um, just growing up with it year in and year out. And this one's new, and so it's hard to 
have that so in your head. I think we need to earmark this and uh, in about 50 years, come back and talk <laughs> about it and see uh, how you feel about it when it's 50 years older. I'm there. All right. I won't remember anything, but I'll be there. <laughs> then into I'll Be Home for Christmas and finishing up with Ave Maria and Feliz Navidad. And then on some some versions of the, because there's a couple different editions of the album, he actually has at the end of one of them a montage of music, pieces of music, of songs from all of those claymation movies that we did grow up watching. Oh, cool. And so it's it's actually a really cool montage. Really? I have not heard that yes. yet. Yes. Huh. I should check that out. So first of all, a great choice. The Agreed. Cr- the credits list for this record reads like a who's who of session musicians. If you look at it, uh, Vinnie Coluta, it's one of the finest drummers who's ever lived. Josh Freeze, who's played with everyone from Perfect Circle to Guns N' Roses. Bob Rock, who's produced so many outstanding uh, bands over the years. David Foster, everyone knows David Foster. He's like the quintessential like pop writer of like movie themes and stuff like that. It's an impressive list. So it's not like he just went in with a bunch of amateurs. This is a solidly put together record from top to bottom. And it's no wonder that it sells 12 million copies because like you said, it incorporates the nostalgia of of picking the right songs. Like obviously there's, there's obligatory choices he has to make. But the way oh, you, Kyle, you and I have talked about this repeatedly about how to pace a record out yeah like how it works together and and how you begin it and how you end it is just as critical as everything in between and just coming out the, out of the gate with it's beginning to look a lot like christmas this is a perfect choice but he paces things and structures them in such a way that it's like it's hard to get around that being a quintessential christmas record that everyone should listen to every year you just put it in the rotation because it's it's just that good. I agree. I, I do have to say, though, there is one song missing that I would love to have included on this album. Mm, and that's that? the Christmas song. The chestnuts, uh, chestnuts roasting, roasting on an oh. open fire. Somebody's know? chestnuts roasting. Has he has has Michael Bublé done that somewhere else? I don't or? know. Hmm. Hmm. That is a that, that is an interesting omission. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think it's the only one that's that's really missing i have to we'll have to look into that mm-hmm. but that's an excellent choice uh kyle you did a little research during the break what'd it, you find out i did uh so i know heather was just saying that uh, the one song she wished was on uh michael buble's christmas album was uh the christmas song uh chestnuts roasting on an open fire sure sure it is on the extended version Ooh, how exciting the, the deluxe special edition i i only looked it up on itunes I'm sure it's available other places is as well. Is that the Deluxe Super Special Expanded Edition? It is. Okay, the, good. Uh, Platinum. The 19-inch. Plated. It is the 19-inch gold. uh, gold-plated vinyl Carbon only edition. Carbon fiber. Only available in Japan on Tuesdays. Oh. So it's, it's very, very limited. It's on Record Store Day. Yes. And only get record, it then. St- record Store Day only in Japan. Oh, man. Uh, it could be hard Kyoto to find. Kyoto only. Try Discogs. Yeah, Discogs.com. There's a Christmas present idea. But you know you have to get me the actual CD. Ooh. You want the CD, you don't want the vinyl. No, you I want, want the CD. You want the compact that's how disc. I listen to my Christmas music. Copy that. Yes. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll get... Compact disc. 
What? Through Weirdo. The, I'll get cracking the on that. Stereo that Whoa. you have from it was it was like the original stereo that we bought from the Incredible Universe in like nineteen ninety five or six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this Incredible Universe store in Denver with our JBL speakers. Hell yeah, nice. So, uh, so I guess it's my turn. It is. So unlike you two, which seemed like you knew exactly what you wanted to talk about, which is impressive. I had a very difficult time settling on a, an album to choose. I kind of waffled back and forth between several records for different reasons. Uh, and the more I listened to them all, the more difficult it became. They were all important records to me at different and unique stages of my life. For, for a while, I was leaning towards Barry Christmas. Oh, by Marty so Holmes uh, because of the drive back from Disney World uh, to Michigan to like 10 times. <laughs> yeah, the kids were little and they loved that record and it was so ridiculous. But but it could be my favorite because it was just so memory filled. It was fantastic. For a while, it was uh, Bare Naked for the Holidays by the Bare Naked Ladies <laughs> because it is such a it's such a well-crafted record. And it's also it's long. It has 21 songs on it couple of great collaborations with Sarah McLaughlin and a relatively unknown at the time Canadian crooner, Michael Buble. Indeed. Uh, it's also, it's a lot of fun, uh, but maybe a little bit, just a little bit too much fun and not quite as memorable. For a brief moment, I thought it might be Mannheim Steamroller. That was um, your mom's favorite. And that's more, it's more of my mom. Other than jazz band, where we used to play a lot of those songs, I had no real connection to it other than my mom loved listening to it so it could have easily been when my heart finds christmas by harry connick jr it is one of the quintessential holiday records uh it went triple platinum we still listen to it every year it was also the first holiday record that we really listened to as a couple Aww. i had for years Aww. and years hard uh, hands right hard hands for years and years, I had become more and more disillusioned with the whole Christmas machine uh, in my late teens. And I'm sure that was a product of me being the youngest in the family. And the joy of the holiday kind of changed to the commercialism of the holiday. Uh, get everyone gifts because you have to. It became very heartless as I got in my late teens. Just something you did. And then I met Heather. Uh, she's the second oldest of six. So when I went to hang out with her family on Christmas, there was plenty of joy and excitement and love in their own particular way. Uh, and she changed it all for me. In fact, she changed it for the whole family, my whole family. Uh, we had the same decorations year after year. They went in the same places. We made the same cookies. We did the same thing, less out of tradition and more out of complacency. And here she is, breath of fresh air, just rolling in. She changes everything. First thing she did, bring in a second tree, more decorations. It started that early on. Yeah. Huh? More decorations, more lights, more joy, more fun. And while this record, One My Heart Finds Christmas by Harry Connick, holds a lot of special meaning to me, it's the word joy that I began to hover on. This record doesn't give me all of the joy. I love it. It's enjoyable to listen to, but I'm not filled with joy. In this year, this year that needs joy above all else, that needs fun and imagination and the suspension of reality, because reality is just so awful right now, I choose joy. I chose not the best sounding record, not the most popular record, 
I chose as my favorite holiday record, John Denver and the Muppets A Christmas Together. Because, Because it is with that record that I have had the most joy of my life, from being a kid hanging with my mom to now decorating the trees with Heather to sharing that love with my kids. This record fills me with joy. A Christmas Together was released in 1979 as the soundtrack companion to the special that aired on December 5th, 1979 on ABC. I remember watching the special with my mom. I was sitting at the kitchen table doing my holiday duty of helping my mom with Christmas cookies. I had one job, crush the nuts. (laughs) So we had this little glass jar and on the top was a hand crank with some metal teeth in the cylinder. I would load it up with walnuts and crush them. For her cookies. Was yours uh, green, yellow, or brown? It was, it, it, we still have it. Yeah. And it, it is yellow and brown. Ah, okay. Like with like little diamond Ooh, you got design the fancy on one. Got the yes. fancy ones. Did it every year. Mom would pour me a glass of uh, eggnog, which I always hated back then, and watch whatever specials would come on. For a few years, there was a 1-800 number that was a direct dial to Santa, and I got to do that a few times. Uh, The times were simpler, the music reflected that, but it was filled with so much love, so much joy. So I'm not going to go specifically like you guys. I'm not going to go necessarily track by track, but I'm going to highlight a few songs. And I I read a bunch of reviews about this. People most likely discounted this as a children's album. Too simple and silly. But isn't that what we want so much when we get older? That innocence. Everything has to become so serious. I think we all go through this period where we start to lose the Christmas spirit. Uh, That point when we get into adolescence and get jaded by the pressure and commercialization of it all seems like such a grind. And for a lot of us, it doesn't make a return appearance until we have kids of our own. We get to live vicariously through them, see the fun and excitement on Christmas morning. We get to see their faces light up with Christmas music again, stuff they haven't heard. So... The first song that I chose was The Peace Carol. It's a standout song for me because it isn't a traditional carol. It's a lovely little folk song that was originally written in the 1960s by composer Bob Beers. Uh, It's a great song that incorporates a lot of the Muppets singing normally, you know, not trying to be silly like the Muppets normally did. Uh, I'm a huge history buff, and this song reminds me so much of the Christmas truce of World War I. For anyone not familiar with that, the Christmas truce occurred five months into World War I in 1914 along the Western Front of the war in Europe, when over 100,000 soldiers intentionally and informally had a ceasefire during the Christmas holidays. There were handshakes. They exchanged food and souvenirs. Even football games broke out and spontaneous carol singing lasted just a few days, but was a welcome break from the war and even allowed armies to go into enemy territory and collect their dead to bring them back and bury them appropriately. The lyrics of this song kind of allude to it, like this clip right here. The garments of life be it tattered and torn The cloak of the soldier is weathered and worn But what child is this that was poverty born Light that shines for all to see. 
Also, it's one of the rare times, really rare times in the Muppets experience that Scooter gets some love. He was always one of my favorite uh, favorites on The Muppet Show in the 70s because he was always involved in everything, but never got any of the headlines. <laughs> so this gives him some spotlight, which is cool. So musically, the song definitely sounds like it was recorded in the 70s. Lots of electric organ. Denver always sounded like that era, yeah, like the 70s. That's just what he sounded like. But it's a nice little song. There's other songs that like uh, there's a version of Little St. Nick, which... You'd probably appreciate by Brian Wilson. Oh, there we go. So it's a, a an updated, slightly updated uh, version of Little Saint Nick. There's uh, Twelve Days of Christmas. There's there's a lot of fun with the Muppets. Miss Piggy, you know, Piggy Pudding. Piggy Pudding. <laughs> figgy, Figgy Pudding, Fitting, Figgy. Made with ham and bacon and bacon. <laughs> <Figs. laughs> uh, and the Christmas is coming. The goose is getting fat. Please to put a penny in the old man's hat. That's right. Mm. If you haven't got a penny, a hay penny will, will do. do. If you haven't got a hay penny, then God bless you. That's right. It's just uh it's fun. Uh, the second song that I chose to highlight on this record is When the River Meets the Sea. And this is technically not a holiday song based on the lyrics. It could be sung at any time of the year. However, it was originally written and recorded for another Muppet special my personal favorite holiday special, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Uh, that special was released in 1977, two years before this one. The song was written by composer Paul Williams. Williams wrote the songs Fill Your Heart by David Bowie, Rainy Days and Mondays by The Carpenters, Evergreen, performed by Barbara Streisand, which was the title song to The Star is Born, and for which he received the Oscar and the Grammy. And of course, he wrote another song, exclusively linked to the Muppets, The Rainbow Connection. He's currently the president of ASCAP, the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers. So this gem of his gets overlooked, but it has become one of my favorites because it feels like Christmas without specifically talking about the holiday at all. And it sounds like this. that has blossomed Again, some more electric organ. And again, we get a lesser used Muppet here, which to me is fun. This is Robin, Kermit's nephew, another frog. What's funny is I listen to these songs individually, and they do sound cheesy by themselves. <laughs> they do. I usually only listen to this as a whole record, and you end up getting wrapped up in the emotion of the it's entire thing. It's usually song for the season. Yeah, you get swept away by the memories, where I was, who I was with. I could see the mantle in the home I grew up in with the garland stretched across the whole thing, putting the same string of lights in it, putting the aluminum foil angel that my sister made in the 1960s up at one end. <laughs> that stuff just comes rushing back like a flood. And that doesn't happen when I listen to these songs by themselves. They sound completely out of context and they sound really simple and cheesy. But 
that's why you listen to it as a whole package. One yeah. point of connection here for us, Kyle, Ooh. to a recent episode of Audio Judo. There's a lyric in this song at the very end. Uh, what a newborn baby dreams is a mystery. Kyle and I actually talked about that on our Bare Naked Ladies episode, hmm. episode number 40, which was released on November 13th. In case anyone's interested, go back and listen to that. A uh, third one that I chose uh, will be familiar to any of you who listened to our holiday episode last year. It is Noel Christmas Eve 1913. It is a hauntingly beautiful song, and it is usually the point on listening to the record that I lose it. And Heather has to come in the room and give me a hug. It is the apex of emotion, and it gets overwhelming, and I just, I'm gone. But hold, it is Hold it together. I can't. But it's so cathartic for me to go through that, kind of exercise the demons and move towards the holiday. Glad that I had those experiences that elicit that response. And it does fill me with joy, but only after a certain degree of pain, you know? Hmm. Like, after pain comes joy where you're like, I got to I got to process and go through this to get to get to that point where you're like okay I know where we're at in the season this is what it sounds like right here Frosty Christmas Eve When the stars were shining I traveled forth alone Where westward falls the hill And for many, many a village In the darkness of the valley Distant It's funny listening back to the choices that I made and something that Kyle said earlier. It's not like I'm listening to that depressing <laughs> holiday music. I realize that every song that I chose from the record that I chose is really kind of down. But I would say, I, like, you don't choose the music when we're at home most of the time no. when it, around the holiday season yeah. because I'm everybody the one that's depressed well no i mean i'm, I'm usually just kind of cycling through okay. the different uh you know albums that yeah. we have so it I, I guess i don't notice that because he's yeah. not just picking it out and you know when we sit in the car we listen to xm radio stations yeah, holiday, holiday traditions, traditions and stuff. or whatever yeah. and so it just kind of cycles through so I just realized that I just he would be depressed. Well, I I pick those because of what they mean, but we've talked about um we've talked about palate cleansers before. Yes. Like songs that kind of break you out of that rut. And the way I look at this record is every other song in between the three that I chose is the palate cleanser. It's the fun Muppets silliness. It's it's the joy in the in the crazy and the and you're laughing and you're singing and then you get these little pockets of very serious very emotive very provocative kind of sounds hmm. and that's kind of where where i ended up so um that song it's based on a poem by robert bridges he was the poet laureate of the united kingdom from 1913 to 1920 
and he gained popularity by writing a number of hymns, some still being sung in churches across the UK to this day. However, this is the only example of his work being used uh, contemporarily. Uh, the music was composed by Lee Holdridge, who won a couple Emmys for his work for daytime television and for some other stuff. Uh, and there's nothing really groundbreaking in my any of my choices, but it speaks to my heart. It speaks to uh, it speaks to the emotion of Christmas more than any record I've ever listened to at any time of year because of where it takes me. It's 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 really the only one that I can't not listen to every year. Like it begins the Christmas season, and it's always been it's always been like that. Is it, I mean, is there something something like that for you? Ooh. Like is it like is there a right like is there like music you have to listen to every year? Not really, to be honest with you. Um, there's not anything like. Christmas. Like, did you listen to something with your grandma and grandpa? Like, so music wise, no. There is a poem that my grandma used to always call. So when the first snow of the year happened every year, usually before Thanksgiving, uh, my grandma would call and recite this poem, and I should have it memorized after all these years, and I don't, but I will see if I can find a copy of it somewhere online. It's, 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 like, it's called like the Turkey's Lament, I want to say. I like that. And it's all about this turkey speaking about how, because it started to snow, it knows that Thanksgiving is coming, oh, so it's soon going to be dead. <laughs> It's funny, and my Thanks, grandma's grandma. Yeah, right. Terrible. <laughs> it's very funny. It's it's not like a serious poem, right? But uh, that's really the only thing that, like, tradition wise, always happened every year. We I were, know you have. some. We were very non traditional. I know you have some that <laughs> that I your, pull out first from your childhood. That yeah. that stuff that elicits those Kenny and Dolly. Come on. A hard yeah, candy I, Christmas. Yeah, we talked about that I, last I know, year. We did. Yeah. We did. I didn't pick it though, but it is near and dear. But that that's just that's kind of that's where I go. Those, Andre Bocelli. Oh yeah. And but those are those are my choices. I wasn't nearly as long-winded as Kyle expected me to be. <laughs> uh No, very brief. I liked it though. It was uh, very uh very good. Uh, uh, honestly, I I did not even remember that Christmas album. The John Denver one? Yeah. Yeah. Because I always think of, I don't, let me rephrase that. I don't ever remember that it's John Denver. I remember the Muppets having a Christmas album from around that time period, but I never remember John Denver as being part of it. So that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, John Denver. John who? <laughs> Dusseldorf. John Dusseldorf. That's his real last name. Uh, Gone too soon. Yeah, definitely. So I want to, I want to thank my lovely wife. Heather, for once again stepping in for our holiday episode and bringing your knowledge and yeah. holiday spirit to our shenanigans. We got to go over one more thing. Though. Go ahead. We appreciate it, by the way. We do appreciate it. But uh, do you guys have any also-rans? I, I mentioned my also-rans in my lead-up. Okay. So the uh, 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 Harry Connick. Yes. Uh, Mannheim Steamroller. Mm -hmm. Bare naked for the holidays, uh, and I think I mentioned one other one. What was it? It was uh, uh, Barry Christmas. Ah, yes, yes. Barry Christmas. Uh, Ella Fitzgerald, Ella wishes you a swinging Christmas, is a fantastic jazzy album. I do love to swing, right? And it's it's very good. A Christmas gift for you from Phil Spector. If you have never heard this, it's one of the best. Mixed Christmas albums of all time because it's a bunch of different. It's that acts. wall of sound, though, isn't it? It is, yeah. 
but this is uh, the Ronettes version of Sleigh Ride that absolutely everybody has heard. Oh. It came from this album. Uh, and so did uh, the Darlene Love version of uh, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. This mm. this whole album is just, it's uh, really, really cool. Uh, finally, well, you, have, you have an old soul. Go ahead. What was your Mayhem last one? Steamrollers, last one on You're, my you have, yeah. a, you have an old soul. I do. Like he, Ronettes, Phil Spector, I, The I Ventures. Grew, I grew up listening to music that was 30 years before my time. Yeah. And, you know, on the one hand, it's uh, awesome because I can talk about that music. I'm just getting the, that more and more. The other hand is that uh, I could not connect with any of my friends whatsoever. And they're like, have you heard Nine Inch Nails? I'm like, yeah, of course I have. I, they're great. <laughs> it's funny because I look that, at the calendar uh, of what we've done and what we're doing, and it's yeah. like, who keeps picking the albums in like 65 to 72 range? That's you. Yep. Hello. You got to have variety. It's what I'm most familiar with. Right. And then you like, okay, the Zombies record, and now I got to go like shoehorn that shit in. Well, that can come later, though. That can come <laughs> That can come much later because it's a it's a it, classic yeah, twenty twenty four twenty twenty four. Like I said in the note, you got any Heather? You got any also also Rans? Other than the ones that I just said, yes. um, you know what's weird is that I actually like to listen to the albums that are a variety of artists. Mm-hmm. So like the a very special Christmas or a very merry Christmas or a, a time life collection yeah, of holiday absolutely. favorites. <laughs> like and you know, because they do, they always put the best of the best on yeah. those on those. And they're the traditional songs and there's the the newer versions. There's the country Christmas. A Victoria's the, Secret collection I of holidays have best. That. Yeah. <laughs> I have the naughty and nice albums well, from yeah from Victoria's Secret. So <laughs> Um, Whoa! It, it, <laughs> so it's it. it Merry I kinda, Christmas. Other than those those normal go tos, those are the other ones that I listen to. Are the the variety albums? Okay, yeah. I, I it's like kind of it. like the 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 radio. Matthew kind of makes fun of me all the time because I'm not the type of person that sits down and listens to an album start to finish and start to finish and start to finish. A new album comes out and he'll listen to it ad nauseum for like two, three weeks. Literally till somebody throws up. I cannot do that. I am the person that wants to listen to the radio and with XM and all the different stations and, and all of that, I can just kind of filter through and I don't have to listen to the same thing over and over. Yeah. I hate the radio. I like variety. <laughs> Potato, I, potato, tomato, tomato. Let's, let's call, call the whole thing, thing off. off. There it is. So uh, I do have a, a challenge for our listeners. Well, as a well. challenge? So uh, I was looking around. A challenge. <laughs> challenge accepted. <laughs> and he's in prison. What is it? So uh, the challenge for our listeners. When, it, when we were talking about Christmas albums, I was trying to find a Christmas concept album. Mm. where the concept is not just Christmas music and it's not a holdover from like a Christmas play. So it's a bunch of music from a Christmas play or a Christmas so movie. Like the Nutcracker. Exactly. Okay. Is there, has anybody created out there a Christmas concept album that is all Christmas music, but the concept of the album is what holds it together beyond just being Christmas music? Whoa. I you could just n- blew my mind. I could not find anything. I could not find anything. I looked around for a couple of days on and off, could not find anything. If anybody out there knows of one, please let us know. 
get anything else you want to get in touch with us about as well. Uh, info at audiojudo.com, facebook.com forward slash audiojudo, uh, Instagram and Twitter at audiojudo. Uh, yeah. So we, we hope again that if you are listening to this on Christmas, Merry Christmas. Thank you for spending time with us. And if it's after, we sincerely hope that you had an amazing holiday considering the circumstances of this year. Make the most of the time, everyone. Hug the people you are able to hug. Yes. A little tighter and hope for better things in 2021. Come back and listen to us in a couple of weeks with our best of uh, best albums of 2020 episode. Oh, yeah. We just hope everyone's doing okay. And, you know, find the joy in this holiday. I know it's difficult. I know it's a weird year. I know it's probably harder than most years to find that joy, but it's there somewhere in a special, in a song, in a present, in in something. Just go out there and find it. Hey, let us know what you're thinking. Like he said, info.audiojudo.com or any of our social media platforms, and we will see you in a couple weeks. Take care, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all. And to all a good night. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.